I hope today that we know that Christ Jesus breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free. I hope you know his blood can make the foulest clean. And I hope that you believe for yourself, that you believe savingly that his blood is for you. Please turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, the last book in the Pentateuch, the fifth book in the Bible. As you turn to chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, I'll remind you the name Deuteronomy means second law, second giving of God's law. We, we find the law of God in Exodus and it's restated in Deuteronomy. I, I think the book of Deuteronomy is too often neglected by Christians. Not only is it Old Testament, but it's Old, Old Testament. <laughs> And it's all about the law, the very name of the book. It's, it's about the law. And by our nature, we may avoid the book of Deuteronomy for that reason. But it's important for us to know as followers of Jesus Christ that Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy more than any other book of Scripture. Jesus reckoned this book to have value and you and I should also find value in it. As we come to chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Our main focus being on verses 6 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. That you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. So that you and your sons and your grandsons might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Verse three, O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. There it is, brother. Verse 6. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Great God of heaven, giver of your perfect law, we come today seeking to be instructed and informed in our minds, asking to be convicted and convinced in our hearts. We pray that by your word and your spirit, we would be conformed to the image of our dear Savior. We pray that sinners would be drawn to Christ. We pray that as we practice our parenting, by your grace, our children would be led to salvation. 
God, we pray that you would remind us what your word says. Unless the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. God, forgive us for our vain labors up to this moment where we have sought to build our own house. God, today we pray that you would be the builder of our house, the builder of our homes, and that we would submit to you and submit to your word. Guide us this morning in your truth. Give us strength and conviction to obey your command. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. As we spent the past four sermons looking at the biblical instruction for raising children under the series titled Parenting by the Book, uh, some have asked why this topical series has not been, I don't, I don't think I've preached a topical series of messages in 16 plus years as pastor here. So why? Uh, I'm reminded of the story that Dr. James Renahan says about being uh, in, a, in a retail store. In my mind, it was Walmart, although I have a hard time imagining Dr. Renahan in Walmart, so I don't know. Uh, but he's in a retail store shopping, and on the same aisle as him, there is a child um, behaving poorly, throwing a fit, we would call it. And he said the mother looked at him and said, what am I supposed to do? And he was able to talk to her and give her some counsel, some advice, some biblical guidance on what are you supposed to do. And as we look at our world and the state of our world, we need help. We need to go to the book when it comes to instruction and in parenting. I wanted to share this with you, uh, an excerpt from the Michigan Crime Report. The Michigan Crime Report I believe this part of it was written by the governor of Michigan. I'm going to go ahead and tell you because I was going to say that this was written in 1926, published in 1927. You would have known that. <laughs> Every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother, attention, his playmate's toy, or whatever. Deny him these, and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He is dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skill. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. 1926 Michigan Crime Report. It's heavy words. I, I think there's some, I think there's much truth found there. It sounds like somebody at least had a good understanding of the sin nature of man as we are born in sin. 
And it reminds me that we should thank God for his hand, which stays evil. As evil as the world is, as evil as the world could be, God does not let evil run rampant. It's his world and he stays evil. We thank him for that. We need to understand as Christians what the biblical mandate, what the biblical instruction is as we raise our children. Today will be, and this will be a surprise to many of you, maybe all of you, today will be our final sermon in this series. I think this series could go on and on and on and on. Um, today will be the final sermon in this series. I've titled this sermon, Honing Holy Habits. Honing holy habits, and I think you'll see the reason for this uh, as we work through the text. In this final sermon, I want to give us some practical application to the scriptural command to train up our children, to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I hope as we have looked over the past several weeks at the biblical instruction, I hope that we have learned that our parenting efforts are to be done Godward. We parent because God has entrusted children to our care as stewards. We obey God by parenting according to his word. And we parent continually looking to God for results. New fathers, new mothers. Let me say that again. We parent continually looking to God for results. Just as Paul said, one plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. Only God can make seed to grow and bloom and produce fruit. In the same way, a mother teaches, a father disciplines, a grandparent pours life into a child. Others contribute in varied ways, but it is only God who can change the heart of a child. Only God can bring fruit to your parental labors. So if you have a child, you should be praying. You should be praying for God's work. If you have a child on the way, you should already be praying for God's work, for God's saving grace for your child. And if you not, do not yet have a child, be praying that if God were to bless you with a child, he would say he would work in that same way. It's important as parents, as we make demands of our children, as we show strictness or lenience, that we are modeling the demands which God places on his children. That we demonstrate in our parenting the character of God. Before your child understands God as father, they will understand you as father. Parents, God requires obedience of his children. The Bible is clear that those who love God and are loved by him, that is to say those who are his children, keep his commandments. 
Obey his commandments. Abide in him. Listen to his voice and follow. And so Christian parents must require obedience of our children. Christian parent, your child must learn to do what you say without delay and without murmuring. But the question may come, what is the basis for our commands, for our instructions toward our children? What is the goal in child training? And I believe our text today gives us the basis, gives us the basis as the commands of God, the law of God. Verse six of our text says, these words which I am commanding you today, it is a reference to the law of God. We could certainly apply this statement to the whole counsel of scripture. Teach them, teach them, teach the Holy Scriptures, teach the word of God. So as we dive right in this morning, we can acknowledge the benefit in teaching our children. And we teach our children many things. We may teach our children science, technology, engineering, mathematics. These certainly have benefit to anyone who will apply themselves to their study, to learn them. There's great benefit to be had also in classical education, which goes beyond just what facts to learn and, and speaks to how to learn and includes training in the beauty of the world, art and music and classical literature. Any parent who neglects to teach their child at least the basics of what we called when I was growing up, the three R's, that's reading, writing, and arithmetic. Think about that. If you neglect to teach your child at least the basics of these things, that parent has truly been derelict in their duty toward their child. We can acknowledge value in teaching our children other things, good social skills, and some things you just pick up social skills, but I remember being taught certain social skills. I remember my mother having me make certain phone calls and speaking to people in certain circumstances and then correcting me if I mumbled or if I didn't speak loud enough or if I didn't say yes sir, yes ma'am or if I wasn't courteous and, and you learn those things because you're taught them and if we're not teaching them, our children aren't learning them. Those children will be served well when they are taught these social skills well. What a blessing it is to teach our children things that they may learn from memory, to memorize the words of a hymn, a godly hymn. I just was thinking today, that second hymn that we sang would be a good candidate for that. A great candidate to memorize and have your child know uh, how, to, how to sing that song from memory. It's good to hear children refer to events in history, especially church history, to know what has transpired in the past and to even recognize the effects of those events. But none of these things that we're talking about that are, that are good to teach, none of these things are the things which God says that we are to teach. Certainly we must teach those things, but here we are to teach them the word, teach them the commandments of God, teach them the law of God. As we consider teaching our children the word, I believe there are two ways that we do this. One way is very obvious. It's a no-brainer. Teach your children the word by teaching them the words. 
Teach your child the word of God by teaching them the words of God. Memorizing scripture. Start with simpler and more familiar texts of scripture. John 3, 16, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Ephesians 6, 1, Romans 10, 9, and 10, Romans 3, 23, Romans 6, 23, Romans 5, 8, Romans 1, 16. You can continue on and on and on. As they progress, as they grow, as they mature, you, you move to longer and larger passages like the 23rd Psalm and Psalm 1, the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes. And as they grow further, you move to even larger passages. Romans 5, 6, and 7. All is one unit. The book of James. We should teach our children the word by teaching them the word. The psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart. I have hidden your word in my heart. And, and parents, you can't change your child's heart. You can't create in your child a love for the word of God and a love for God, but you can make sure that the word is in their minds, which is the doorstep of the heart. You can prepare the patient so that when the great physician is ready to do heart surgery, everything is in place. The psalmist continues, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against God. Parents, we say that we wish our children to avoid the sins which have plagued our lives. But if you want a God-given, Holy Spirit-inspired method of keeping your child from sin, start with Scripture memory. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Whole sermons have been preached and could be preached on the benefits of God's word. God's word is a lamp unto your child's feet, a light unto their path. To keep them from stumbling on life's treacherous road. The word of God is food for their hungry soul. Water for their parched and dry life. The word of God is a salve that points us to the balm in Gilead which is Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't think scripture memory for our children is optional. I don't believe that it is supplemental. Christian parents will require that their child memorize scripture. And just by the way, I am in favor of incentivizing scripture memory as needed. Ephesians 6, 1 may be worth a quarter. I don't know. Psalm 23, Psalm 1, now you're probably moving into paper denominations. You're, you're getting somewhere. You gotta, you gotta advance there. And, and perhaps it's not... Perhaps your child will not be motivated by, by finances. Perhaps there are other things, other incentives, special privileges or activities. Whatever it is to incentivize your child to memorize scripture, just get them memorizing scripture. Do it now and do it continuously. And if you say, oh, I let that fall off, pick it back up. And don't wait until they can read. They can start scripture memory as soon as they can speak. As soon as they can parrot back to you what you say. One way to teach our children the word of God is to teach them the words of God in scripture memory. The second way that we can teach our children the word of God is through the use of catechism. 
Memorizing scripture teaches the word of God. Our Baptist catechism will teach them the sense or the meaning of the word of God. <laughs> Romans 3.23 will tell your child that all have sinned, but the catechism teaches them that sin is any lack of conformity to or transgression of the law of God. Catechism helps to explain systematically the things which the verses of scripture are teaching. So parents, you must train your child with a holy habit in scripture, reading, memorizing, studying, hearing the word preached. You must train your child with a holy habit of scripture and you must train your child with a holy habit of prayer. God is a communicative God. God did not have to speak to make the world, but he did. And in speaking the world into existence, he shows us at the very beginning that he is a God who speaks. He made men and women in his image and he made us speaking creatures. He speaks and we speak. So there was never a time since man was created that prayer did not exist. From Adam walking with God in the cool of the day until this very moment, men are created to pray, to talk to God. There are so many misunderstandings and abuses to what the scripture teaches about prayer. And we don't have time in a single point in a single sermon to go over all that could be or would need to be said about prayer. But we can say very quickly that we Christian parents must train our children in the holy habit of prayer. Scripture tells us we are to pray without ceasing. That we are to be anxious about nothing, but rather speak to God in prayers and supplications. We are to seek the face of God. We are commanded this in scripture. We do this. We seek the face of God through scripture and through prayer. Repentance is expressed in prayer. Worship and praise and adoration is done through prayer. We are to ask God for his blessings. If you lack wisdom, pray. If you have a need, pray. If you or a loved one is sick, pray. In Acts 9, after the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, God calls attention to the fact that Saul is now a believer by saying this of him, Behold, he prayeth. Prayer is a mark of a Christian. And prayer should be taught to our children. We must train our children in the holy habit of prayer, beginning before they can even speak. When you teach them to bow their heads or to fold their hands, when you teach them those things, you are teaching them about the reverence and the importance of prayer. When they can learn to say a prayer of thanksgiving before a meal or pray before bed, those moments are teaching times, teaching them that prayer is not only for Sunday, prayer is not only a thing to be done before a meal, teaching them that prayer is a part of life. So Christian parents, you must train your child with a holy habit of scripture. You must train your child with a holy habit of prayer. And you must train your child with a holy habit of faithful attendance to the means of grace. Just in case there's confusion, let me say, you got to be in church for this. You must train your child with a whole, holy habit of faithful attendance to the means of grace. Brothers and sisters, God promises to pour out his grace on his people 
primarily through the means which he has ordained, the means which he has blessed. And these means happen when we gather as a church. The world prioritizes anything but church attendance. But Christians prioritize church attendance. I didn't say Christians might prioritize. Christians may prioritize. Christians can. Christians prioritize church attendance because God does in his word. And when we have children, we are setting an example that they will follow. How shameful it is when fathers who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ refuse to lead their families in church attendance. What a disgrace when so-called Christian families absent themselves from the means of grace for pitiful reasons or for no reason at all other than we slept in. What you teach your child is that whatever you were doing on Saturday or Saturday night that kept you from going to bed and getting the rest you needed to get up and be at church for worship, whatever that was, it's more important than worshiping God. Sermon audio is good for what it is, but it's not church. Live streams are good for people who are running fever, throwing up, or admitted to the hospital. But it's not church. Church members who are not faithful in church attendance are subject to church discipline. Church members who are not faithful in church attendance are subject to church discipline. I said this to someone this week and they said, you're going to back that up? Yeah. Church members who are not faithful in church attendance are subject to church discipline. So what is an acceptable rate of absentee? What is it? So we don't go to the scripture and the scripture tells us, you know, how many Sundays we can miss each year. What is an acceptable rate? Well, the Texas public schools require 90% attendance for a student to get credit for a class. 90%. By that standard, Christians, how many of us are flunking church? Christian parents, you should know your attendance record. If you need to know it, our church secretary keeps attendance, so she can tell you how often you're absent. I, I am so thankful that when I was a child, there was never, ever this question asked in our home. Are we going to church? Never. It was not asked. We went to Sunday school. Then we went to Sunday morning worship. We returned Sunday evening for a Bible training class. And then we stayed for Sunday night worship. Wednesday night rolled around. We got our homework done early so that we could get to class on Wednesday night. And that class was held before Wednesday night worship. Every week, every week, every week, every week. And no, we did not miss for a ball game, for a practice, for a, I got a lot of homework. We didn't miss. 
convenient or inconvenient was never considered. And I'm grateful for godly parents who raised me with the conviction that I needed to be in church. Christian parents, you must train your child with a holy habit of scripture. You must train your child with a holy habit of prayer. And you must train your child with a holy habit of faithful attendance to the means of grace. There are many other things which could be said, many other areas which we as Christian parents must train in. I would refer you to some good resources for further study. William Gooch has written a, a document called Domestical Duties. A document makes it sound small. It's, it's not small. Domestical Duties, William Gooch, Bruce Ray. I've, I've talked about him before with Hold Not Correction. And there's a resource that is available in our foyer J.C. Ryle's Duties of Parents. It's very small. Uh, somebody picked up a copy and said, this is only a few pages. We can read this in one day. You can. You probably need to read it again. But, but you can read it in one day. There are 15 copies. Well, there were 15 copies. I don't know how many are left. Uh, so that means there's not one for everybody, but there should be one for every family. There's, there's further study that can be done. But let's get back to our text in Deuteronomy. Verse Seven. For further instruction on the way this training is to take place. This text of Deuteronomy has been misunderstood and misapplied by many who take the language to mean that we should literally nail the Ten Commandments to our door. We should stroke it when we walk in and out or that we should wear jewelry on our wrists with copies of God's law printed on them. But we can see that this is a comprehensive guide for child training. We see five important things that we will consider very quickly. First, the place and time for child training. Second, the approach for child training. Thirdly, the consistency for child training. Fourthly, the legacy of child training. And fifth, lastly, the starting place for child training. So in the first place, the time and place for child training. Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now we take this not to be so much literally, but to be spiritually. When Moses writes, sitting in the house or walking by the way, lying down, rising up, he's getting at every place when you're at home and when you're away from home does that cover every place when you're at home and when you're away from home every place he's getting at every activity sitting walking lying down getting up every activity when you rise up that's the first thing that you do when you wake up when you lie down that's the last thing that you do before you go to bed there's no time when you should not be teaching the word of God to your child. There's no place that it is not proper to teach them the scripture. If someone asks you at any waking moment, what are you doing? Every parent should say, I'm teaching my child. I'm training my child. And you are training your child. You should be teaching them according to the word of God. This is the place and time for child training. Every place, every time. Secondly, we have in verse 8, the approach 
to child training, the approach to child training. You shall bind them, the text says, as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Now, this is no instruction for us to buy religious jewelry, even if some have foolishly taken it to be just that. This is much more important than that. This is much more difficult. Your hands represent the things that you do. All that you do is to be bound to the word of God. Your forehead speaks of the mind and what you think. All that you think is to be filtered through the scriptures. Your hands and your head, all that you do and all that you think, train your child in the word through all that you do and all that you think. This is the biblical approach to child training. Place and time for child training, the approach to child training. In the third place, we see the consistency of child training, the consistency of child training. Here we have two instructions. One is very obvious and the second one we'll dig a little bit for. The text says in verse seven, diligently. Teach them diligently. This is the consistency. Parents, we know Satan will tempt for distractions, for leisure, for laziness. But Christian parents must be diligent in child training. Diligence, which includes word and deed. Boy, how many times would we like to say that as, as parents? Listen to what I say. Don't look at what I do. Your children are looking. And they're going to learn a lot more from what you do sometimes than you'd like. Diligence includes word and the instruction and example. Teach your children diligently. And the second place we see consistency is in the word teach. The word we have translated here, teach, literally means to quit. That's a hard word to say clearly. Quit. W-H-E-T. Quit. Or to sharpen. I think about when I think of quit the whetstone that I had with my first pocket knife. I think about sharpening a knife with a whetstone and we, we can apply that here. There is repetition of movement over and over the same motion, the same action, but there is slow but sure difference made in the blade until it is sharp. Let me just add, when I had my first whetstone and my first pocket knife, I really messed that blade up. Because it's slow, it's sure. And if you're not doing it properly, it's wrong. This is where I got the idea of honing holy habits in our children. This wetting, this repetitive motion of this text, Gill says it is expressive of diligence and industry in teaching by frequent repetition of things, by inculcating the commandments continually into their minds, endeavoring to imprint them there that they may be sharp, ready and expert in them. place and time for child training, the approach to child training, the consistency of child training. And then fourthly, we see in verse nine, the legacy of child training. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This whole section speaks to the tone and tenor of your home. 
And the word of God should be, as it were, written on your house. When your child walks through the front gate, there should be like a big flashing sign in their mind. This is a house built on the word of God. Visitors to your home should notice an overall air of Christ and his word in your home. When your children are grown and then they return for a visit, they should come back and this air of Christ and his word ruling in your home should be palpable. And then finally, we see in the text the place to begin. I guess we say the beginning for the end. Verse six. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. These words shall be on your heart. Father, how will you teach these things rightly to your child if you don't have them first written on your heart? Mother, how will you train your child in the word if it's not first a priority in your life? Parents, now, can you require scripture memory of your child when you're not memorizing scripture yourself? I know how difficult that is. I know how difficult that seems at first. I tell people my mind is like a steel trap and it's rusted shut. It's difficult. And the older we get, the more difficult it is. But if I offered a thousand dollars to everyone who returns next week with the 23rd Psalm memorized, how many of you would come back next week to collect? If your boss said, in order for you to keep your job, you have to memorize five catechism questions and answers. How many of you will still be employed a week from now? Why would we do for $1,000 what we won't do for the love of Christ? I guess you could say, why would we do for the love of money what we won't do for the love of Christ? Why would we do something to keep a job when we won't do it for our child's best interest and our child's best training? Brothers and sisters, we have said many things that are good for your child, but those things are also good for you. All the things which God requires as a parent that you teach your child, he requires first of you as his child. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as signs on your hands and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your knees. God help us now, we pray. The conviction of sin which you have placed your finger on this morning in our hearts, in our lives, please we pray, do not let that, that smarting pain subside until we have repented and followed you in obedience.
God, give us hearts for your word and hearts to teach your word to our children. God, we come to you asking you that you would use our efforts in child training to create in our sons and daughters a knowledge of your holiness, an acute awareness of their own sin, their need for a Savior. Draw them to Christ, we pray. We pray that you draw our children to Christ at an early age. Give them tender hearts toward righteousness and make them hard against sin. God, we pray for those who are here whose parenting is done or near done. And we find that we have failed in so many ways. God, help us to Help us to repent in, in our hearts for that sin, where it is from ignorance, where it is from laziness, where it is from selfishness. Forgive us and then comfort us by reminding us of your mercy and your grace. We pray. Yes, for the salvation of our young children, but Lord, for those of us who have older children who have yet to profess Christ, who have yet to believe and repent of their sins, God, we pray. Knowing that, knowing that we can't change their hearts, we can't do the work. We pray that you would. We pray that you would, in spite of our failure, in spite of our poor example, that you would say. God, for these young parents, some new parents for the first time, some many children in the home, God, we pray that you give them conviction to train up their child in the way that he should go, to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Guide them Give them wisdom beyond their years. Give them wisdom beyond what they have learned from observation, from their parents and from others. God, we pray that your grace would be poured out on your people. God, the, the work that we ask to be done in our children's hearts, we pray the same work be done in our own hearts. And I pray that those listening to this sermon who don't know your saving grace would be called by your Holy Spirit, drawn to Christ by the goodness of our merciful God. We pray that in all these things, our, our homes would be a testimony to your grace. Our lives would be a testimony to the saving power of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his strong and mighty name. Amen. Thank you.